2: Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, the podcast that celebrates films we think are underrated, underappreciated, underseen, or we just really, really wanted to talk about them. I'm Alice Oliver, your host, and with me, as always, is Josh Hallam. Josh, how are we today? I'm very well. How are you? You know what? I woke up this morning and I was pretty frustrated. So Mm. I've I've got a cold for the first time in about... Well, over a year and a half. For the first time since the pandemic began, I've got my first cold. So I woke up and I was feeling pretty damn miserable. But then I remembered that we had a really special guest coming on the podcast and that really cheered me up. And here he is. He is a comedian, (laughs) he is a stand-up performer, and he is probably the funniest person on Instagram right now. It's Milo McCabe. Milo, a very warm welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how are you doing? I'm sorry to hear about your cold. It feels almost archaic now, doesn't it? Because nobody had like a proper old school cold for a very long time.
2: Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. I've
2: not I've not been near another person this whole time. And then suddenly you start going out again. It's like, oh block nose, sore throat. Ugh. Colds, yeah. is,
3: colds are so 2019, Alice. God. <laughs> <laughs> get with the program.
2: <laughs> right. Well, Milo, when we have a guest on, we like to start with a random question just to get cool. to know you a little bit better. Uh, but I'll come to Josh first with this one. So, Josh, when you were a kid, what mm. did you want to be when you grew up?
3: That's easier. I wanted to be a podcaster. Well, there and I was, we go. And I was sitting there in the early nineties, and people said, "What's a podcaster?" <laughs> no, uh, I am um, I am um, I always be loads of stuff. At one point, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a priest. Um really? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not in any way religious. I just think I might just like the clothes. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I also at one point wanted to be a bank robber and a policeman. So wow. that's like some sort of like HBO drama, isn't it? Like a bank robber is also a policeman at the same that time. Life, um, yeah. Or a digger driver. I wanted to be a digger driver because wow. I liked diggers. <laughs> so, a real
2: broad range there.
3: I mean, all of those options are still available to me, I'm sure. Um, of course, it's
2: never too late. The, never pre- too late. the priest
3: one is going to be a stretch at this point because I'm not religious. But, you know, I'm sure there's other perks of the job. What about you? What did you want to be? Um,
2: so I actually wanted to be an actor. Like when Mm. I was a kid, like I just remember sort of seeing Coronation Street for the first time and just thinking like, oh, I want to be on the television. And now I'm a presenter, which kind of is like acting because I have to stand in front of the camera and pretend that I'm impartial to things. <laughs> so, and that's, or, in- or, or interested. Or interested. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, you with your story, that's the most interesting thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so that takes a lot of that skill.
0: Other yeah. than that,
2: when I was a little bit older, I did think vet because I love animals a lot, but I was not very good at science at school. So I kind of figured out quite early on, that's probably not for me. Um, but yeah, actor was the main one. So I'm sort of halfway there, I suppose. What
1: about you, Milo? Uh, so when I was like seven or eight, I was a hardcore kind of boffin kid. Because I don't know, like when you get to a point where someone says, you oh, know, you're the cleverest kid in the class. There's a part of you sort of acts up to that. So when I was like seven or eight, I wanted to be a solicitor and then immediately and I didn't even know what it was and then because I thought that's what smart people do so I wasn't that smart really was I but then I I obviously (laughs) I I wanted to be a footballer but I realized at the age of nine that was never going to happen that was like a pipe dream and then it sort of went like again actor uh primarily actor tv presenter and then from about 16 it was professional drummer uh, which I actually wow. managed to do for a bit, which was cool. And I kind of never really wanted to do comedy, but sort of fell into it. But as I was starting to do comedy, I actually got into TV presenting, but really like low-end TV presenting. I don't know if you remember the quiz shows that used to be on from two till six in the morning. Of course, Where you'd have a presenter going, oh, five, six, seven, three, call up now. 75 people per call. You could win this money. Right now we've got... So I did that right? And you, you talk about it being an effort. Those, those were like four-hour shifts yeah. where you, 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 there's this, this puzzle. And obviously, you know that the odds are stacked against anyone getting through. But at the same time, you have to tell the idea that they could win this money on this borderline impossible puzzle that looks easy. And the only relief for me was when I got someone through on the phone and I could actually talk to them for like 20 seconds. But they, they worked out that nobody phoned in when you talk to people. So they 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 try to shift you off the phone call as quickly as possible. But I I did I did that for years. Um, but it's hard work. Like I don't know what kind of presenting you've done. But but yeah, that was a that was a shift. You do learn a lot though.
2: So I, I do the news, so but it's oh, it's, like, it's, it's 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 mostly nine to five as well. Like yeah, yeah. Um, so none of that kind of two till six in the morning. And was that so that was a live as well. So you were actually up yeah, like, like, doing that shift. Of,
1: four hours of light, and you have a smile plastered on your face the entire mm. time. And she's doing like eight cups of coffee a shift and, and just uh, the finish line comes. It's, and those like, show, it's those shows,
3: isn't it? It's like, yeah, looking yeah. for a queen song. Another one bites the, what's the word? Another, another 100%, one. A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. No, no yeah. it's
3: not bust. Think, think, think. It's not bust. <laughs> Tust. It's not a word. That's not a word. Dude,
1: dude, they did that. Like it was this one puzzle. I can't really name names because they could be in trouble, but it's this one puzzle where it's like, win 10 grand and guess this four-letter word. And they had sort of clues leading, telling you what the letters should have been. Like It was like a, a crossword thing. And the four-letter words that they picked, um, people were ringing in oh, the whole time for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was a Norwegian word. Like, do you know what I mean? They had this Norwegian word, the totally obscure Norwegian word, and then uh, it went for ages and then some lad got sacked. One of the camera operators got sacked, and the next day it <laughs> went like someone actually guessed his word, food or whatever, fucking was. And then they were like, I "Had to be that prick who got sacked." Found out what the word was and went right. You know what I mean? And got it in. But
2: yeah, it was Working properly the system. Properly that is naughty though, isn't it? It's naughty.
1: That no and really, really properly <laughs> naughty. Yeah, yeah.
2: So let's move on to talk about this week's film, which was picked by Milo. It's Funny Games from 1997. So spoiler alert if you haven't seen that one. So Milo, tell us, what is the film about and why did you pick it?
1: So I went through a phase, I would say around 2004, where I was really drawn to films that When you watch them, you feel like you've just been punched in the stomach for an hour and a half, right? I don't know why, and I can't watch these films anymore. Um, But films like Antichrist, Martyrs, pretty much anything Michael Haneke uh, made, uh, just anything that gave me like an emotional punch at the time Something that I didn't know what was going to happen, something that would uh, affect me, that would leave me feeling a certain way. I'm not sure what a person's predilection is when they get into films like that. But at the same time, I've also had periods where I've, I've really gotten into podcasts like Sword and Scale. And case file which are like really gritty visceral true crime podcasts that, that kind of like if you're on a long car journey it will speed it up but your knuckles will be like white <laughs> on the steering wheel and you literally shut the car door and you come out and then you remember that you're none of the people in that story so and you're just like oh god but but yeah I went through a phase where I was watching these films I've never heard of Michael Haneke and I think I asked for a recommendation in a like, it would have been a video shop at the time, which dates it. I, t- I was like, look, I'm into these kind of films. So they gave me this film, Funny Games, and I stuck it in. And the thing I like about Michael Panicki's stuff, is so naturalistic. Uh, it's all very slow. It's all very natural. There's nothing really forced about the acting. Uh, the leads, they, they tend to look like regular people, if you know what I mean. It kind of brings you into this world and it's slow enough to feel authentic. And then like throughout his films, something absolutely gut-wrenching will happen. And because you've just been lulled into this sense of normalcy and authenticity, it just rips you open but like funny funny games you start off with this couple and I have to be honest I haven't watched it since I watched it the first time which is like 12, 13 years ago and I wouldn't watch it again um, so I, I might I, I don't know if you guys have watched it recently but I don't know if my memory of it would be as good I just remember the impact it left on me so as I remember you've got this couple regular couple like boring middle class couple and there's a home invasion from these two lads who, who sort of get into their house. And and this is where it starts to get me because the villains don't look threatening. They look like the kind of guys that if they invaded your house, you'd shoot yourself and then you'd look at them for a sec and you'd go, oh, actually, I fancy my chances here. I reckon I could probably... (laughs) I reckon I could probably like wrap a lampshade round the skinny one's head, and then I, I'd take the, the other dude down. And, and And that's the other thing: is the villains don't look that threatening at the beginning, and that kind of makes it more horrific as the film progresses. When you, you you sort of find out what they do, and I don't know how much more I should say about the film at this point without giving too much away. But but it it, it the whole film is just designed to poke at you and 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 also hold a mirror up to what you're like yourself as a viewer and what your cinema, cinematic expectations are. Um, and what I've found, the reason I think it, it tends to be underrated or overlooked or whatever is, I don't think people look at it that deep. And I don't think they quite, they just watch this gruesome, unpleasant film and they don't kind of, they're, they're taken down this road that Michael Haneke takes them down, but they don't understand why, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like definitely,
3: yeah, definitely. There is
1: a tile at the end of the film. Like, uh, and I remember I watched the film all the way through and I was gutted. I was, I think I was stood up at the end of it, like with my head in my hands, going, what the fuck, like what <laughs> the fuck. And then this, this tile at the end said, oh, by the way, if you watched this film to the end, you absolutely needed to. But if you if you stopped this at any point before the end, congratulations. It says good things about you.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And then I was like, and then and then I think it hit me like exactly what he'd done. Because I don't think I'd have worked it out to that extent if I hadn't read that little tile at the end. I think it was in the DVD extras or something like that. Because because what the the, the film is about. Is, is basically he's holding up a mirror to you. And he's going, you need revenge, don't you? You need these guys to get fucked up. You need these guys to have horrible things happen to them, don't you? And, and, and then he gives you these opportunities. He gives you these little ins where you think they're going to get away. And he snatches it away. He snatches it away from you every single time. He totally subverts what you want. As an audience member watching that film, and he takes it away and he looks at you and he laughs. And as the film goes further on, he does it to like a more conscious degree. So anyone that's used to sort of watching films and understanding them and analysing them will know. At the very beginning, she's in a she's in a, a, a boat, and you see this knife like drop in into the the interior of the boat, and, and it lingers there for a second too long, and you go, okay, that's that, I, that we're coming back for that knife. Right, that knife has been locked in my subconscious. I'm going to remember that's there. There's there's a reason he stayed there. But but as you go through, there is a moment where one of the couple shows a little bit of initiative, and t- and that's the other thing. The entire time you're screaming at this couple, fucking do something, take these guys out, fucking please, because they're so unlikable and they seem so pathetic and weak, but they're so in charge. And then there's a certain point. I can't remember if it's the, the 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 man or the woman. They pick up a shotgun, and they just blast one of them to fuck. And you, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, bang, bang, bang. And then and then the other dude looks at you like looks through the screen at you, the viewer. And he picks up a remote control, and he presses rewind, and you kind of go back right, to the moment before she picks up the guns and then he gets it out of her way. Now, at that point, as a viewer, you should be like, I'm not I'm not going to get anything I need out of this. I, these, guys, these guys aren't going to get fucked up. Then they're absolutely not. However, at the same time, you get to that boat scene at the end. They're all in the boat and you go, oh, the knife, the knife, it's my last chance. I remember the knife's in there. She's going to grab the knife. She's going to stab this dude, right? All of this is gonna happen. And then the guy picks up the knife out of the boat, again, looks through the screen at you as the viewer and just casually tosses the last chance that you as a viewer had of redemption in this film over the edge of the boat. And 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 and, and it's crushing, but at that point, how have you not seen it coming? And the entire film is Michael Haneke going, Why do you need why do you need to see these guys get battered? You do, don't you? Why do you need to see these guys get murdered? Why do you need to see this revenge come? You know, and and, and I, I don't think up to that point I'd seen a film that, like, fucked with me so overtly and in such an intelligent way as that had.
2: So I would uh, pretty much agree with everything that you've just said. Yeah. I had seen this film once before, and I, I think it was when I was in college they got us to watch it as part of our film studies course. Um, so I had some recollection of what was coming. So literally from within like the first 30 seconds, I was like, oh shit. And my heart was in my throat for the whole thing. It's like that thing you were saying, when you said you wanted to watch a film that felt like you'd been punched in the stomach. That was exactly how I felt. It was an exhausting experience, but I was just in awe of the kind of the skill in terms of the writing, in terms of the performance, and in terms of the way that the film is constructed that it makes you feel like that. Like you were saying about these two guys, very ordinary-looking guys, like that skinny one, I reckon I could knock him out. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've got all these golf clubs. There are weapons kind of within the house, and yet they're just so powerless to them. Mm. And they've got this sort of... There's the theme of, like, playing golf and stuff, isn't there? So they're wearing these pristine white gloves and these perfect white jumpers, and it looks eerie as fuck. Like, why, why are they so pristine? Like, and... I think they stayed completely clean throughout. Like, there was never any mud or, like, dirt or blood on them, given what they were doing. Um, so, the, obviously, the killing the dog moment, thats it's the opposite of the save the cat moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, if, in case you needed any more hints that these were the bad guys, yeah. they just killed the dog and shoved its corpse in a car. And when it flops out of the car, bloody hell, you just the fury that you feel at these characters. And then this just continues throughout. Obviously, they're so antagonistic of Anna and uh, Georg, the married couple, and then their son, Georg Jr., who is so... He's just, like, really sweet and innocent and vulnerable, and I thought that actor did a really good job at portraying him. And then, obviously, they end up, like, shooting his head to pieces. And it's so unbelievably horrifying, whilst always reminding you that it's a film... And I find that it, it's such a juxtaposition of feelings, right? It's like it, he keeps breaking the fourth wall. He keeps reminding you. It's like, oh, hey, what should we do? Should we do this? I'm going to rewind this bit and keeps reminding you it's a film. And yet it's still absolutely horrific, even though you know that they're actors, you know that he's looking at a camera, you know it's not real. So I don't know, don't know how he did it. But yeah, it, it really, it absolutely packed a punch for me. Josh. Had you seen this film before
3: uh no so I, had, I hadn't seen it before I had heard of it and I, I knew it had been remade shot for shot by the same director um so <laughs> when I came to watch it when I knew Milo would pick this I'd, I'd had quite a stressful emotionally taxing day and I went to find it on um, on a streaming service and it just came up some some sadistic thriller and I was like <laughs> maybe maybe another day. <laughs> So so on another so then I waited till the till I waited for a few days and then I, and then I watched it but um no I mean I I loved it I did I, I mean it was so disturbing and unsettling I mean it's sort of a, it's like well, it's what, similar to what Milo's already said it's a it's a masterpiece in playing with genre and audience expect, audience expectation so it doesn't you know. It doesn't linger on things. It's not pornographic in the way other horror and thriller films are. So, for example, you know, they make the wife and the mother get undressed, but they don't show it. Other films would show it. When mm-hmm. I don't actually think there is a character death that is on screen.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
3: every single person who is killed, with exception of the chap who is killed and then they rewind time, I think when when they're all killed, the dog, the son, and the dad, it's all mm-hmm. off screen. You don't see it. Yeah. So when the son is, is killed, the skinny one goes into the kitchen to make himself like a sandwich or something. Mm-hmm. And you just hear the gun go off and then a load of sort of commotion. And then he comes back and he's dead. So it t- to have such a psychological impact by the lack of what is there rather than what is there, I think was, was really impactful. It does a lot of good things with um, sort of claustrophobia. Like you said, with their clothes, that extends to the house. The house... Is the plainest inside of a house? So plain, I've seen. isn't it? It's it could bland. be a ho- it it's could be a So hotel.
2: unimpressive. Yeah, yep. and that, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think
3: that is that is the director and, and everyone looking at you going, this could be your house. This because it could mm. be yeah. any because it could be anybody's house. Um, you know, nothing, not none of the clothes or anything in the house has any labels or anything that makes it identifiable. Um, so I mean, that's every, what's one of everyone's worst fears, isn't it? You know, be, being being attacked in in your own home in in this way. Uh, I mean, you know, if you have ever had anything stolen or if you've been burgled um that's bad enough but you know being held captive in your house I mean I can't imagine what sort of like living hell it, it must actually be they play a lot with 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 stillness as well a lot of you know the characters do a lot of just sitting and staring as they're talking and not blinking and things like that and it's quite unsettling um they do a lot of really good building of tension with innocuous, pointless dialogue. And it's not... I don't mean it's pointless. What I mean is they use politeness. A little bit like the way, I suppose, in a more mainstream way, someone like Tarantino might do, in that they have a lot of sort of niceties that suddenly on a dime just change into horrible... Mm -hmm. You know, a horrible horrible story. Like with the eggs or with the dog. Can I have the
2: eggs? Broke the eggs. Can I have the eggs again? Broke the eggs. And then that... Because that isolated as an incident. There's nothing to worry about. But because the way like you say the way that the scene is building the tension you know oh fuck this is going to this is going to end up somewhere mm. yeah mm. but yeah no interesting what you're saying about the things happening off screen that was something that i'd made note of like the dog dying because you you all you hear is the dog barking and then you don't hear the dog barking anymore yeah and it's just like and then you don't really know what's happened i mean you can figure out what's happened but you don't really you don't get it confirmed for you until you see that body falling out the car same with you say um with Anna when they get her to take her clothes off. Like, it's not about the spectacle. It's about the loss of control. It's about the feeling of helplessness. It's like, it's you know, they're not showing you either nudity or like this horrendous violence. It's just the, the suggestion and the tension around it. But then whilst always making fun of it and making a game of it, and it was just so exquisitely put together to make you feel just so intense. Like, I felt so intense when I was watching it, like every single second
3: it was exhausting i think one of one of the things that i also read about after i watched it was it's not only holding the mirror up to you as an audience and sort of going like well essentially what milo's already said it's also a bit of a comment on mainstream and hollywood sort of horror and, and and things like that because i think what it does is you don't see the deaths in in other horror films they do a lot of focusing on the gore and the the torture and Things like having someone take their clothes off and the humiliation that is and all that sort of stuff. Whereas if you don't show it, but you do see the results, it's worse because you're looking at that dog falling out of the car going, oh, fucking hell, like what's happened? Or, you know... There's a point before they kill their dad where they do something to him. You just hear him scream and you don't actually know what it is. I think they cut him with a knife, but it, you don't know. It never explicitly yeah, says.
1: Yeah, you your mind fills in the blanks, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. He's like, I can't show you anything scarier than what you would project onto this blank camera. Yeah. So have some of that because everyone's going to project their worst nightmare onto that. You know?
3: Yeah. yeah. And, and, so that's, really and, that, and that's really. And that's exactly what it does. It's so, it's yeah. so clever. And, um, and, and, and then you add on top of that, the breaking of the fourth wall. So breaking of the fourth wall is, you know, it's something that we have come to associate with protagonistic good guys, you know, Ferris Bueller, Deadpool, that sort of thing. And it's those characters who are like, you know, you're having a laugh with them and they're, they're your friend, they're your mate. Whereas this guy's not your mate, but it, what he is, is all powerful. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Essentially he is in, in control of the plot of the film. He is self-aware. He knows he's in a film and what, you know, that's pretty scary. So the connotations of someone who talks to you, you're sort of, again, it's playing on that expectation. You're used to this being, oh, this is a good guy. Yeah, they're they're going to guide me through the film. Oh, shit, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. And, that's, yeah. and that's and that's—and that's what, you know, that is also so impactful, where I thought it Kevin, was. Anyway. Kevin
1: Spacey kind of fucked with that paradigm as well, didn't he? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you're saying that you hadn't seen it since that first time, yet, but the memory does still seem very oh, clear yeah, to you.
1: Like, like I've never, I, I, you know, it's when you get a film that gets you jumping up and down like you're watching a sports event, do you know what I mean? It was
0: uh,
1: it, I, it. I it made me like watch everything else he'd done. Like um, at the time, I just went through everything he'd done, and it was exactly the same kind of thing. Really clever, emotional, sort of manipulation. You know, and I I tried to recommend the films to to other people, but it's kind of an acquired taste. Because what's interesting with these films that do make you feel like that? Some people obviously don't want the film. To make them feel like that, mm. and so they'll come out and they'll go, "Oh, that was shit." Like I don't, I don't know if you remember uh, a film called Eden Lake.
2: So you you mentioned this, and I said, "Oh, I haven't seen it." And then yeah. I remembered, "Oh no, I have seen it." But so, yeah, so very for similar me,
1: for me. That was a ten. That film was a ten. It was really well made horror, excellent naturalistic acting that made you care about the characters. Same sort of. Uh, sense of impending doom same kind of like not very physically impressive villains the same kind of people hated that film because i I don't know why like like obviously a michael fassbender in it and and the dialogue him and his partner in the film was so naturalistic like it really felt like they'd improvised it it was that it was that level of of brilliance of on-screen chemistry but, but people come out like angered by it like they like like they hated the film like they' all the reviews Eden Lake is like tens or ones like you <laughs> know, because because they'd been so uh, yeah, upset irritated by the idea that these little sort of chabby types these teen chabby types that you see uh in every high street had had been these huge villains that had, that had caused all of this pain and drama to this sort of likable charismatic couple do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think sometimes people find it hard to sort of um, detach from that, maybe.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: It does. A lot of it does kind of depend what you're going into it for. Like, obviously, like Funny Games, it didn't make me feel good. And it left me with like a real sort of quite powerful, anxious feeling, I suppose. Mm. But I understood Um, that to be the mark of some really interesting and unique filmmaking. And therefore, I appreciate it. And therefore, I would say that I do like the film. And I absolutely would recommend it to certain people, perhaps. Maybe not like, you know... My mum or, you know, <laughs> my little sister or something. But for some people, I think for people who are looking for something different, like when you can just kind of get a bit fatigued with, you know, all the sort of similar Hollywood stuff that comes out, the things that are mainstream, the things that are regarded as, you know, the best films at the moment or whatever. then uh-huh. to see something like this, it's just nice to have something different. And it just offers you such a different experience to anything you're used to.
1: You know, what took me by surprise was the... um I'm not really into hero films. Like I did, I sort of went on a Marvel binge over lockdown because I hadn't seen them and that was very edifying. But the new Suicide Squad film mm. was was like it within five minutes, I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen to anyone at any point. And I fucking I loved that. Is it was it a good film? I haven't seen oh, it yet, so no
2: it's spoilers,
1: really, it's but really is
3: it good. Good. It's, it's really good. good. It's really good. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like properly oh, like,
1: interesting. Roughly, like properly proper good humor good writing um and and yeah like within 5 minutes you you will not be able to predict what's happening or, or or who's going to end up where it's it's a, it was a total unexpected i watched it for like oh let's stick an action thing on because i'm tired and it was mm. tremendous yeah
3: yeah i loved oh, it oh
2: good oh good something to look forward it's, to it's then
3: it's funny how suspension of disbelief really applies to the fantastical isn't it like a lot of people will suspend their disbelief for the suicide squad but because this is naturalistic it's like it doesn't apply and like you say i think another thing that creates the impact um that makes it so visceral is it is really naturalistic and all the people in it you know i'm not making a comment on their appearance or anything but they all look like normal people
0: mm. you know mm-hmm.
3: they remade this with with naomi watts in the lead role and it's like well you know that's a bit different to it's these yeah, sort of I'm, people in this film, you know, really glamorous 100%. people. And 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 the other thing is, the performances are really naturalistic, and the cast are excellent. You know, you've got yeah. you've got the mum and dad. I think it's Suzanne Lothar and Ulrich Mühl. They're they're very good. I mean, particularly there's one scene as we've commented on with their son in the final act, like, where there's it's about must be a, at least an unbroken seven or eight minute take, where there's no there's no edit, and it's just them just grieving, and it's so. Mm difficult to watch but it is Mm. but it's naturalistic the two guys who are the the sort of the antagonists as well you've got um uh,
2: paul and peter aren't they paul and
3: peter the the taller one who's played by arnold frisch i think it's pronounced he he's he has all the dialogue so he's got everything to do he does all the speaking and then you've got i think it's pronounced frank gearing um, and he Mm. has that almost he gives a sort of weird naivety and almost innocence to his performance like he doesn't really know what he's doing and yet he's the one who does all the killing
2: I just want to touch on something you mentioned there, Josh. So that that, um, that sequence you mentioned where they're, where they're grieving, obviously their son, he's just been shot in the head. We haven't seen it, but we see his corpse and then there's blood all over the walls. So that is framed in such a way where behind the mum and dad, so Anna and Georg, they're sort of grieving on the floor and then there's three windows, kind of just, you know, just three standard windows or whatever, but there's no curtains drawn, there's no blinds or whatever. But at this point, Peter and Paul have left And for that whole sequence, I was expecting them to walk past these windows. I was like, surely those windows have not been framed in this way because they were just perfectly like in each third of the frame, like one, two, three. So perfectly framed. I was like, obviously they're going to walk past, right? They're going to walk past. So for that whole thing, I was waiting for that to happen. And then when it didn't happen, I was like, (sighs) like I felt like I'd been choked or something. And I, I feel like this just kept, it just kept happening. I don't, I don't think I can recall the last time I had this strong a physical reaction
1: to yeah. watching a film. Have you? Yeah, like because it's it's different. Because if you watch Irreversible, for example, when I was going oh my through goodness, that phase, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's that, that
2: matches. Yeah, <laughs> very. But it's a very different
1: kind of like. It's 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 so much more sort of outright, isn't it? The the, the you know. Uh, Martyrs, irreversible. They're like, this is this is gonna fuck you up, right? But but this film, like, it kind of worms into your brain. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's less of a sort of a gruesome, like, oh my god, that's the most hideous thing I've ever seen. It's more like, it it, it sort of stays with you for the reasons that you're saying. Just the, the way it's, it you, you've never, I've never had my expectations as a viewer subverted that much, that overtly. And I think that's why I still sort of remember the film like 13, 14 years on and not having seen it again. Like, I, I think I would I blanked out the fact that the the, the the kid gets killed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and and the, 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 the scene with the grieving. But as you're saying it, I could picture myself just, just sitting there in my flat, just being absolutely furious, just like... Mm-hmm. Purple, like purple face, sweating, clenching fists. Like it's it's, and then and then you get to the fact that like as unpleasant as that was, that's someone has made a film that's done that to me, that that's raised my heart rate like that. But but it's you know when he sat down to make that, it's interesting because I haven't really read that many interviews or anything, but I wonder if he it was just like right I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck people up here. I'm just gonna make something that's just gonna worm into everyone's brain and, and make them feel deeply, deeply uncomfortable about everything.
2: So we'll move on to talking about anything that maybe we didn't like about the film or anything that we may perhaps change about it. So, Milo, is there anything for you?
1: Um d- do you know what? Like off the top of my head, no. Not really. I think I was so sort of blown away by the thought that had gone into sort of upsetting me so, so successfully. Uh, I mean, if the purpose of the film was to, because as we're talking about the film now, I'm remembering bits and I'm remembering how I felt as I watched them. Like, and if, if his aim was to upset you a lot, make you feel a certain way, burrow into your brain... And hold a mirror up to what your expectations are, and and what you're being fed from Hollywood, and and show you all of that. I mean, that's uh, that was a hundred percent for me. So I I don't quite know what he could have done to have uh, hammered that more firmly into my brain. To be honest, so I don't know if I'd have any uh, immediate dislikes. Mm, yeah,
2: I understand that. And I mean, I'm yourself, not. I'm, yeah, obviously I.
1: Fucking hate the whole thing because how
2: it made me feel. But <laughs> no. like so, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer. Really, you know what I mean? What about you, Josh? Can you think of anything? Um, it's yeah,
3: it's I mean, it's yeah, a bit like what Milo said. I hate what the film did to me, as like it, like you know, I slept with the lights on. But um, <laughs> not really. I think there's there's something that I can't decide if I did or didn't like, which is I, w- I almost wanted to know a little bit more about the antagonist's motivations, like why because they, they seem to be going from house to house, and it's almost like they don't need sleep. Because the film ends with them going to another house to do this, and they've not been to been to sleep. But I also think the fact that you don't know anything about them makes them even scarier. So I can't quite make up my mind about whether or not because I could be sitting there going, I didn't need to know that they were doing it because you know they were drug addicts or whatever. He does say, you know, he says we're drug addicts, but I think he's just playing on what they think they are. I don't think they actually are drug addicts. I think addicts.
2: so, because they don't rob anything from the no, house. Because it's no. like, oh, we're drug addicts and we need to do this to yeah. feed our habit, but they don't take anything. No,
3: no. Um, the, one thing I couldn't get my head around is one of, them, one of the antagonists seems to be called Peter, but he keeps mm. calling him Tom. Did I miss they, something? They refer,
2: they refer to each other as kind of Tom and Jerry. Oh, right. And Peter and Paul... And beavers with some butt head, yeah. I knew it was, so. Fa- I think
3: causing fatty all the way through as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think
2: it's to be sort of a little bit confusing.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and because you can't, you. Can't believe or trust anything that either of them say. It's, it's almost like, to give them starts... that, yeah, it's
3: to give them that an- anonymity, isn't it? It's it's to mean mm. like this could be anyone. Anyone could break into your house and do this. Even the skinniest and chubbiest guy in the world could break your leg with a golf club or whatever. Um, mm. There's nothing else really. I, th- I think the pace dropped a little bit about two thirds of the way in, um, but again, I think it's almost like it's done on purpose because you think that they they have gone. You think they've done the worst thing they can mm. possibly do. They've gone and they must wrap it up but like then and then even it even plays with your expectations then because when they come back the, the skinny guy the one who does all the talking says to the camera and to the to the characters oh it's not even feature length yet so we're gonna do more stuff And that, uh, you <laughs> know because <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not hard, and it's not an hour and a half yet or whatever so nothing massive though I, I definitely I wouldn't be in a rush to watch it again but that's not because because it wasn't a well-made film it's just like I sort of need to get myself pumped up for it I think yeah <laughs>
1: I mean, it would be good yeah. to watch it with someone else, mm. and like if you're you're kind of immunised through it a little bit, and mm. just watch them go purple headed, sweaty, and pacing. <laughs> Family them out and movie everywhere. night,
3: right? Daddy, yeah, yeah. Daddy, daddy's choice tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Alice?
2: So all I did think at the end was, oh, I I wish I knew why they were doing it. Like I wish. I had more backstory and more idea of their motivation, but that defeats the whole point. So that's not a fair criticism. And if like, he's not going to give me that because that would satisfy my curiosity and my need to know as the viewer. It's like, why can't you give me these clear defined good guys and bad guys? And this is why they're bad. And this is why they're good. It's like, no, that's not what I'm giving you. That isn't what this film's about. So I don't think you can, you can't really say anything like that and for, and it be a fair criticism. And so then there isn't anything really. And it's it's hard, it's so hard to it's hard to try and figure out what you could say because everything just feels so intentional to try and make you feel a certain way. And it succeeds in doing that. I suppose maybe if someone watched it and felt nothing, or felt bored, or got to the end and they were like, oh, I don't really care about that. Then maybe they could Critique it better. But if you've had that they
1: emotional would reaction surely to be it. a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Like, right, or
3: surely, a psychopath surely. I'm
1: not watching that. Something. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm
3: not watching that. in German. I'm not watching that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I have anything. So, that's the least balanced I think we've ever been on this. Yeah, podcast. but no, but you're right.
1: How do you criticize something that's designed to upset you, subvert your expectations? I wanted to know this. You weren't supposed to. Be. That's literally, that goes through the whole thing. Doesn't it
2: So, we'll move on now to talking about the critical reception. So, Milo, if mm-hmm. you're thinking sort of out of 10, mm-hmm. what do you think this would have got? What would have you?
1: Are, you, talk, you, are you talking guessed? about IMDb?
2: IMDb score wise, yeah. Right.
1: Um, I, I tend to trust IMDb quite hard. Anything with an eight or above on IMDb, it's like guaranteed. Like, I was umming and ahhing about a Netflix series called Squid Game
0: it's oh, just yeah. come out uh, and,
1: and I, I, I I jumped on 8.2 and I was like sold so I got through the first <laughs> 20 minutes and I'm on episode 5 and I love <laughs> love love it I'm gonna go and I haven't looked at the IMDB score I, I'm gonna go I reckon it's got can I have like 6.8 to 7.2
2: yeah that's, that's <laughs> is that cool is that that's cool that right. is totally cool yeah that's what i go okay for. Josh, what about yourself? Where are
3: you? Where do you think this sits? I really don't know. I can't make up my mind. I feel like it, hard, it might have been. It? I feel like it, if you said it was ten, I wouldn't be surprised. If you said yeah, but horror yeah. movies
1: get a hard time on IMDb, yeah,
3: they do. They do. I'd probably say, yeah, similar to what similar to what Milo said. Perhaps slightly lower because I'm because I'm not sure. Some people would not. You wouldn't get it, but I think. Like like Milo says, summer films are a trek quite harshly. And also the nature of IMDB, quite often you go on and you rate it just after you've watched it. And I just I can imagine people going on and going, <laughs> Fucking, fucking oh. hell, like I can't cope with this or whatever. So I'd say yeah, maybe like a six and a half.
2: Okay. Uh well on IMDb at the time of recording, it actually got a 7.6. Oh. So a little bit higher than what you both thought. On Rotten Tomatoes, so the audience gave it eighty three percent, which really surprised me. So it, that kind of reassures me that they sort of understood what yeah. it was going for. And then the critics gave it sixty nine percent, which I thought was a little bit low. Mm. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, but 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 I guess I guess like we found it a hard film to criticize. Mm. So possibly, you know, a critic finding a hard film to criticise might feel personally threatened by such a thing. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And that could reflect in his low score. <laughs> you
3: know I mean? Was there, any, yeah, was there yeah. any of the usual stuff that we've seen before? Was, one of the things we've talked about in the podcast, my love, is sometimes critics on things like Rotten Tomatoes just say it's just not this film. So like they'll just go, yeah. well, it's, it's not The Matrix. No, it's not The Matrix. That's right. That is right. That is a different film. Um, I do, so, so I, I
1: haven't on, since so. IMDb I never really read like proper film reviews anymore no. because it's such a it, it's such a lottery isn't
3: yeah, it it's, Like, and you got to well, make it your own do mind
1: yeah I'll go on IMDb and I, like alright that's 15 to 20,000 people or whatever who've got together and c- come up with this you know and then I'll read the first couple of reviews to just get a flavour for what it is but oh, I don't really tend to read film reviews anymore like that to be honest
2: so some of the things that they're saying here. So one of them calls, um, is it Haniki or Hanukkah? Is it Hanukkah? Hane- H- yeah, so
1: I, I think so. Right, I, I was so. wrong on
3: both fronts.
1: So. I called him so Hanukkah. Them- Hane- Hane- H- I- 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 Hane- yeah. yeah.
2: So one of them says Hanukkah is snooty um, in in how disturbing it is. One says that it's just too violent and there's no rationale for it. Uh, one says that it doesn't invite audience exploration and just pummels them with the violence.
3: Um, that's bollocks. I just, feel, I just feel like
2: these people just weren't
3: into it. But it's not, yeah. vi- it's not that violent. It, it is violent, but the point is,
2: it's an experiment in sadism.
3: It's implied eyes. violence, though, isn't it? <laughs> mm. It
2: is. It's not. Um, you see him, you see him whack him in the kneecap with yeah. that golf club, and then that's pretty much it. right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think that's. I think. I think they've missed the point.
2: I mean, for I, me, I, I think I, they've I, missed the point. I don't. Though. I don't get on with the critics anyway. No, so. they have
1: because <laughs> that that whack with the golf club. That's just to sort of like set your perceptions for the rest of the shit that you don't see throughout the movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's all so so thought about and stylized and studied,
3: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon then, so, Alice?
2: So I I so I do think that's underrated. Mm. If we're going for the critical reception, I for me it was a film that was doing something that I just hadn't seen before and anything that gives me such an intense emotional reaction, whether it's a good one or a bad one. I think deserves people's time a day. So, sixty-nine percent from the critics. I would say that's underrated, and I would say it's underseen as well.
1: Yeah.
2: What
3: about the both of you? I would, I, I would I like echo
1: it. everything you said. Yeah, hundred percent.
3: Mm. Yeah, and and yeah, that's a hat trick. I agree as well. I think, I <laughs> think it is, it's un, it's underrated critically. I probably say my my opinion was that with the audience of Rotten Tomatoes, like. Eighty percent, or whatever it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd say really,
2: really sort of pleasantly surprised yeah. with, with but, that.
3: Really, but I, I'm I'm not in a rush to watch it again. <laughs> because I'm I, never going to watch uh, it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you? Why you we talked about this? Off, you should have turned it off twenty minutes in. Like that was that was the whole point. He wanted you to. <laughs> who who hurt the people who made this film? Like what's Wait, wrong that's with them? <laughs> it, like
1: that's the thing that really blew my mind right at the beginning. Did you watch this to the end? You, absolute sicko. It's like, <laughs> that's the director telling you that. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who'd watch that again? <laughs> Jesus. So there we go. Funny Games, underrated and underseen. A brilliant film choice, Milo. And I suppose, thank you for uh, making us watch it. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for the nightmares. Um, so tell us a bit about what you've got going on at the moment and where can people find you and follow you?
1: Yeah, so uh, at the moment I perform as a character called Troy Hawk and I'm on pretty much every sort of platform as Troy Hawk and uh, touring all over the country, uh, performing every weekend. I've All my tour dates are at Milo forward slash tour. But I'll be screaming about them on every on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and what have you. So that'll be out there. So yeah. Yeah. Just type in Troy Hawk, Troy Hawk with an E. You'll get me.
2: Troy Hawk with an E, and that's across yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. People can find you easily. That's yeah? across everything, yeah.
3: What would Troy recommend? Was... What 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 would Troy recommend? A film? Ah,
1: what would Troy <laughs> recommend? Troy, I think would go for some real obvious. It's a Wonderful Life, feel good type. Yeah, <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? I think yeah. I think Troy would have turned off Funny Games after the first ten minutes, <laughs> and that would have said very good things about him. <laughs> he wouldn't have needed to see revenge. He'd have been like, "Oh, good lord, no." <laughs> oh, oh, honestly, stop it! No, no, no. Let's find something else to do, shall we, everyone?
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe next time. Maybe next time we'll have it's a wonderful like, <laughs> the most not underrated hey, film yeah, of all time, possibly. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, Milo, it's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been fun, despite the dark. Unsettling context of what we were talking about, and it's been
1: weird, obviously, having this conversation while at the same time, Marshall and my kids have been coming in intermittently. Um, But yeah, yeah, no, it was interesting, and and yeah, you you brought me back. I think I blocked out most of that film through PTSD, so it's all coming back to me now. Sorry
3: about that. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so
1: much, guys. Really enjoyed it.
2: So there we go. Milo McCabe, everyone, with Funny Games. Absolute pleasure to host him. What a great discussion about a really interesting film. And that's the adjective I think I'll use.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of them. If you're into films, it's an exercise in something, and I think it's re- it's well worth checking out, and it's very, very, very well made. But, Certainly. You know, it's not a getting a takeaway on a Saturday night film. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not enjoyable in the traditional sense, no, but it's an not. absolute masterclass in cinema, it I is. believe. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you're not too bummed out, but I would recommend going to see Funny Games if you haven't seen it. Um, In the meantime, if you want to head over to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review, that would be amazing. We'd really appreciate it. We're also across all the social media. It's just Films and That everywhere you look. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even on TikTok. You could drop us an email at filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We've also got a pretty cool website made by our amazing producer, Just Films and that Pod. Josh Hallam, been an absolute pleasure.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Cheerio.
0: Bye.